0: Howdy folks, this is Dan Gross and welcome to Extended Harmony for Outside In Music. Outside In Music is both a record label and a jazz media company that connects jazz artists to their passionate fan bases. Please visit our website to find out more about what we do. Check out our latest videos and podcasts. Joining us today is Yoshi Fruchter, a New York-based Oud player. Now, Yoshi is the leader for a band called Sandcatchers, which I had the pleasure of seeing in my hometown. So today we're going to talk to him about what an Oud is, how he started playing the Oud, Sandcatchers, and his latest album. Yoshi, thanks for joining me today, man.
1: Thanks so much, Dan. Thanks for having me.
0: So you have a, you have a German last name. Uh, and your your <laughs> your uh your area code is a uh, is not from uh New York. So are, are are you originally from New York? Where are you from?
1: I'm from a town called Silver Spring, Maryland, which mm-hmm. is just north of uh, Washington, D.C. Um, and grew up there. Uh, in a like a Jewish community. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I went to University of Maryland, so kind of stayed stayed in the area for through school, and then. Came to Brooklyn right after I graduated in uh, 2005, and haven't looked back.
0: That's right, so you've been there a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, I knew um, pretty early on, and at least once I st- once I left high school and mm. got into college, started discovering music, and um, and you know just that the the culture scene in New York is was where I wanted to be. Yeah. Um,
0: and we'll talk about your time so. in in New York in, in a minute here. But one thing I definitely mm-hmm. am curious about is you. you I mean, you mentioned you grew up in a fairly uh, Jewish community. So for you growing up, what were some of your early musical influences that said to you, "Oh, hey, I want to pursue music"?
1: Sure. Well, I guess I'll start with um, with the fact that um, you know, I, I at least the I, I think sort of Jewish culture in general, mm. but but certainly like the family that I grew up in and, you know, different people that I sort of found along the way, I guess, just to reference the album, I guess. Um, (laughs) But uh, it's the musical uh, culture in Judaism is really interesting and really cool. It's like, it's very tied to prayer. Um, And we, we grew up religious. And so we went to synagogue and I learned about how to, um, you know, lead services and, and sing the, sing synagogue music. And, and what's interesting about it is that, um, you know, you know, on Saturday, you know, Mm and Friday night and Saturday, you people don't play instruments or listen to music on, you know, on record Mm -hmm. or anything like that. So, um, it's the only music that can be made in that time is, is through your voice. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a focus on really, um, on, on singing, um on you know on simple melodies um that that people can kind of sing together that often don't have words actually um and so i think that for me like that and i only really discovered this in in the more recent past but i Mm -hmm. just how much of that those experiences shape the way that i write and the way that i experience and play music you know I, i i think that the way that i approach composition especially is is really focusing in on on something small that can Mm. be um that can be sort of like the heart of a composition and like i don't always necessarily feel the need to build it out too much so Mm. like my songs are often like very you know fairly simple and and um focused around one or two sort of melodic sections and i think that comes directly from you know those kinds of experiences singing um singing these Jewish prayer melodies and Hasidic melodies and mm. um things like that so um but you asked about uh what did you ask about you asked about how i oh how it informed my mm-hmm. professional life right. i guess um so another thing is that my my dad um is a professional musician he's a doctor, but he mm. he actually plays um he has like a klezmer. Like a jewish klezmer band down down in maryland that i did my first gigs with actually Mm. um playing guitar so it's like playing guitar yeah and and uh you know most of my friends you know who were playing music at the time you know it's like you know or that i've met since you know its first gig was at you know, some dive bar in whatever the downtown part of where they grew up. For me, it was like a bar mitzvah at the local synagogue. That was like my first yeah. gig. So, <laughs> um, and it's it's funny because it translated to, to living here. You know, I yeah. still, you know, do a lot of that kind of work. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's, so I think that was a big part of it. My You know, my, my dad being a musician and my mom is a... She's an educator but an art art teacher and hmm. she's very into the idea of the arts as as a uh basis for education and and so we grew up with a lot of like focus on the importance of the arts in general and you know my older sister is a writer hmm. um my my next youngest sister is a puppeteer and director wow um and my my youngest sister is, is a rabbi actually, but she wow. incorporates the arts into a lot of her stuff so it definitely, you know, it definitely, it struck struck a chord for sure.
0: I, I wanna, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, this, this is actually fascinating that you bring this up. I, this is, only in one instance was this intentional. Uh, another great New York-based player I've had on my show before, Ike Sturm, a uh, bass player and mm. runs the, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, so you know Ike. And I find this, um, and I've had a Danny Rabin on from Marvin, and he, he grew up, well, and is Jewish as well. And mm-hmm. uh, I... I find this a really interesting sort of intersection between these two things. Like anything else in life, a religion is just something that you practice. I mean, there are people mm-hmm. who, for whom football is their religion because they practice sure. it, they play it, and you know they watch it on Sundays. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I find this intersection between religion and, and music really interesting, and I, I find it particularly interesting now that in our sort of global culture in general, religion's kind of is taking a back seat. And you mentioned the older you get, the more you realize how those formative years really affected you and your music, and p- particularly doing the religious music. And, and listening to Sandcatchers. I, I I wouldn't use the word um, religious in sort of what we would think in the typical way of religion. I mean, you're not mm-hmm. preaching a message, but it's something you. this little grain of something you said earlier about when you compose, you take this just little idea, and you, you kind of meditate on it. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, th- these two things must have a really interesting intersection for you. I mean, intersection for you being both a jazz musician who travels all the time and, and does all these different gigs and has your own projects with being a practicing Jew as well. I'm ju- I'm just curious how those two things sort of intersect in your daily life.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um. And, and just to, you know, to clarify, too, mm-hmm. you know, I my Jewish practice has evolved since mm-hmm. I grew up. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not observant in the same way that i was growing up mm-hmm. although it it certainly informed a lot of the way i do things now mm-hmm. um but uh um but yeah and i think with, with regards to your point about the religion i i I, th- I find it really interesting too especially you know my experience being in you know judaism because mm-hmm. that's where i come from you know um when i'm when i moved to new york i met a whole um you know i grew up around all this jewish music but mm-hmm. When I moved to New York, I grew. I met a whole subsection of um, sort of a um, cultural, like Jewish communities that were focused much more on the cultural side of things than mm-hmm. the religious side of things. So maybe there's like a little religious practice, mm-hmm. um, but it's much more focused on, you know, so like maybe f- like hearkening back to like you know Eastern Europe and mm-hmm. Yiddish language mm-hmm. and sort of the 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 playwrights and poets and and music obviously so like klezmer musicians and so i I met this whole subsection of um people who were who were approaching judaism in that way and and i found that really fascinating just based on what on your question and what you were talking about you know how religion you know it it goes it's weird but it it and whether, you know, people will argue it, but it goes beyond sort of the religion itself and, mm-hmm. and God and practice and things like that and becomes a whole, like, cultural identity, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's I find it really fascinating how you can have someone who's just a super, like, devout, in any religion, but just yeah. somebody who's super devout, practicing, you know, letter of the scriptural law, you know, who's... Mm whose judaism is just as important to him or her as it is to the person who's you know um completely not like you know right. not observant of those things but but embracing the cultural side of it and the identity side of it um and the community side of it so i, I find that really interesting and i think you know um You know, each one has its own, like, validities to it. You know, I mean, I've found, you know, a place where I'm comfortable that's Mm -hmm. maybe somewhere in between. Right. Um, but, um, But I just find it really interesting and I find it really, it can be informative to the art that is created within that too. You yeah. know, on, on all ends of the spectrum.
0: You That's know. a great sort of jumping off point. You, like many other jazz musicians, can multiple lives might not be the best way to say it, but you're constantly shifting between. Oh, I got a, I got sure. this kind of gig one day, and then you got this kind of gig the next day. And so for you, as a jazz musician who who's who played guitar, and then we'll talk about how how you came to the oud in in, in in just a minute. Um, mm-hmm. But but for you. Uh, f- it's it's it's. I'm sure it's interesting for you, kind of going back and forth between all of these different gigs, but then finding your own voice in your own groups as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's maybe even more than you know. It's like the 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 kinds of shifting <laughs> that I do. I mean, and like, you know, I wouldn't admit it like a, a few years ago, but right. you know, I was like, I tried to keep all the worlds separate, and then at a yeah. certain point, I was just like, whatever. But like, you know, I do. I do like kids music mm-hmm. sing alongs with my sister a couple of oh, times nice. a week. I, um, you know, I play weddings with, you know, with like a religious, mm-hmm. uh, band. Um, you know, I play like experimental music, you know, I'm playing sort of more world music. Um, yeah. you know, and, and so, yeah, it's, um, it is a lot, <laughs> but, um, I, but I think I, I, um, I realized that it's, uh, i like that Mm -hmm. you know i I think that um you know there's obviously different directions you can go in the arts and in music um you know and you know like i know i have friends who have like really devoted themselves to let's say one style of music one instrument one thing that like is 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 like the thing that they do and they and i just think at some point i realized that I enjoy and I think my strength is is in sort of like going in in these different directions and and you know just constantly sort of like searching for for new new kinds of um situations to put myself in and new kinds of experiences to have. Yeah. Um so so yeah, it's uh, it is, but it is confusing and mind-tangling, and it's like literally, like some some days I'll have like you know, in the morning I'll be with like three-year-olds, like right. you know, in the afternoon I'll be at like a Jewish wedding in Borough Park, and then at night I'll be at the Stone playing, oh, you know, free music. So it's like, it's uh, it's, it's an interesting, it's life fun, we lead. yeah. Uh, so <laughs> what's that? Of,
0: it's an interesting life we lead.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: So, speaking of putting yourself in new experiences, I mean, you 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 mentioned early on your sort of you had these cultural um, exposures to Jewish and Middle Eastern music, and uh, and and kind of being informed by these religious melodies. So, when did you pick up the oud? Well, first of all, so when did you pick up the oud, and can you tell us exactly what an oud is? <laughs>
1: Sure. Um I guess I'll start with that. Mm-hmm. Um an oud is a stringed instrument that comes from um the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Um I think there's sort of a, a debate on where it actually originated, but I believe that um sort of ancient Persia is mm. is sort of a widely accepted um sort of location for where it kind of at least a predecessor to the oud was sort of, right. um, began. Uh, it, um, has 11 strings on it. Generally, uh, five courses of two and then one single one at the bottom. Hmm. Um, the tunings can vary based on, uh, what either what the music is, um, or which part of the world it is. Hmm um and i won't get into the technicalities of that but it's um but it's it's interesting because of the um the general uh mo- modal uh let's see i'm trying to think of the right how to say this because the music is generally modal so it's right. more it's more based on melody than like than harmony right um so the tuning has has an effect on, you know, depending on what music you're playing, the tuning will affect, you know, like what key it's going to be in, where, where, what strings are going to be focused on and things like that. Um, and, uh, let's see, it's got kind of a gourd shaped, Mm -hmm. um, body, which helps with the production projection, kind of like an acoustic guitar, but it's more rounded. Right. Um, and, uh, and then you asked how I got into it. Um, So as, as I said, I, um, or maybe I didn't, but, uh, you know, I grew up as a guitar player. I Mm -hmm. went to, um, conservatory at uh, the university of Maryland, uh, in their jazz department. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, was always sort of interested in musics from all over the world. Mm -hmm. But, um, when I moved to New York, uh, a friend of mine um who uh is an ethnomusicologist and his focus is in um sort of North African Jewish music, hmm. um asked me to join his band, which was playing some of that repertoire. And um uh asked if I would be interested in sort of trying to pick up pick up a nude. Um, you know, and I knew what it was. I didn't know much about it at mm-hmm. the time. But um, I found one uh, on Craigslist, actually, <laughs> and I bought it and I started just kind of like toying around with it. And, you know, I learned a lot from playing playing with him yeah. um, and meeting other people, you know, playing that kind of music. Um, and then eventually uh, decided to sort of get into it more seriously and started studying with a great teacher named Ara Dinkjian, mm-hmm. who's this, uh just a virtuoso um, Armenian-American hmm. uh, oud player. Um, and, uh, you know, have really gotten a lot from that relationship. And, um, uh, yeah, and I just, it's really, I really, I love, I love the study. I love the instrument and I love the music. So,
0: How long was the um, transition between you first picking up the oud and you starting to form Sand Catchers?
1: Uh, It was a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I first picked up the Oud in 2007, Mm -hmm. Um, and Sandcatchers didn't start until, I don't know, three years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, however many years (laughs) that is, eight years, seven years. Something like that.
0: Yeah, we only um, we're musicians. We only count to four. Not kidding. Exactly. That's <laughs> yeah. okay. That's, so, uh, can you tell us a little bit about this uh, this band Sandcatcher? So, j- just uh, you can talk about the dudes in the band, but for those who are mm-hmm. still learning about uh, who are new to Sandcatchers, it's you want Ood and then you have a lap steel, bass, and drums. So you can can you kind of kind of walk us through uh, who's in the band? How'd you decide to form, sure. and how you're developing rep?
1: Sure. um so, basically, the band started uh, when I when I started, um, or I'd been studying a little more seriously for a while, and actually, there was a restaurant across the street from my house at the time called Cheryl's Global Soul. It was a great soul food, is a great soul food restaurant, uh, run by a Jamaican woman named Cheryl Smith. And um, I approached her about sort of coming weekly to play more Mm. as an excuse to practice than anything. Um, Right. So I was like, yeah, can I just sit in the corner and work on stuff? And, you know, and she, I'd been going in there for years at that point. And so she was like, yeah, totally come in. Um, and so I was doing that for a little while and I was like, this would be a lot more fun if I had friends here to play with. (laughs) Right. Um, so Mike, the lap steel player, Mike Mm -hmm. Friedman, um, was living just a, a few blocks away and, um, and, Oh, you know what? Actually, no, it started mm-hmm. with Michael Bates, the mm-hmm. bass player. We started sort of like putting together different ensembles and just getting together and mm-hmm. playing duos, whatever. Um, and then, uh, and then I called Mike because I was like, so I remember walking to the restaurant. I was like, what would be cool with, yeah. Like, what would sound cool? And, and Mike and I had been doing this other project together. We were mm. playing in someone else's group. Mm. I was like, wow, Mike would be great. And so I, I texted him. I was like, hey, do you want to come play Cheryl's? Um, and he was like, I'll be there in 10 minutes. So <laughs> that's kind of how it started. And, and our friend Yoni was playing, who uh, was living in the neighborhood playing drums. And so it became, you know, we, we kind of... Um, it became this sort of like, like hang and, um, and, uh, and, and the restaurant itself is kind of really nice. It's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a very like community based space. Like there's a lot of people kind of from the, from the neighborhood hanging out there and stuff. So anyway, that's kind of how, how things started to pick up and happen and develop and,
0: We'll talk. So. About, yeah, we'll talk about the album in a sec here, but one thing I, I definitely wanted to touch on, and you mentioned, and I'm, I'm glad we, we had a chance to discuss this, about how your life and you've kind of come to embrace that it's just a bunch of different things and you have to sort of have to learn to navigate that and you can't segment it and it all kind of boils together. One thing mm-hmm. I, I both really enjoyed about seeing you guys live and listening down the album is you get a lot of these different sounds throughout the album. I mean there there's some sections that are really meditative, very modal, very Middle Eastern. Then you'll get some more kind of more contemporary grooving sounds. You almost get some Americana folk sounds, especially with the lap steel. And I, mm-hmm. I definitely it's it's a really nice synthesis. It's not and what I what I like about what you do is it doesn't fall there like there seem to me to be two Group, stu, two distinct groups of what we can generally call fusion groups that combine multiple genres. There's the group that combines like eight things, but each so- song sounds the same. Or a, group that, <laughs> or a group that combines three things, but then each song is one of those things. And uh-huh. There, you that's I think, really well said i thank like you that. i appreciate that and and catchers does such a nice job of finding i mean you mentioned about finding the middle ground in your own life Sandcatchers does such a nice job finding a middle ground between all of that it's fun it's smart and it, it combines a lot of different influences so I, I mean how did you guys develop and come up with this rep was it all just sort of jamming do you do you write all no. of that out
1: so I think there's kind of it's it's weird, but I think there's kind of an easy answer to that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. And and, the, and well, easy is maybe not the right word, but mm-hmm. like when you when you said it, it it like it sort of clicked on in my head. Yeah. Um, um. So so basically, the way it would work is I would write you know I would write a tune or mm-hmm. a sketch or something and bring it in, and sometimes the sketch would basically stay as it was yeah and that would be the tune and sometimes we would develop it a lot more um but i think the the thing that you were talking about with with um you know with the fusion thing like i think because um all of us but specifically um mike and i mm-hmm. uh, the lap steel player have decided to approach our instruments and just music in general from mm-hmm. a place that wasn't genre specific. Mm. I think that makes it so that the way that we play and the way that sort of the way that I write tunes and, and things like that just doesn't come out sounding super one thing or another. Like, I mean, Mike right. plays the lab steel, which, you know, has history and like, you know, Hawaiian music and, mm. and, you know, Southern, like his music of the American South. And, but he's, he's chosen to not approach it in that way. Like, I mean, he, you know, he studied with William Parker, you know, mm. um, and is sort of creating his own language. And for me, it's like, you know, I'm studying traditional music and I, you know, I'm, I'm learning it, but it's not really the way that I approach writing yeah um so i i think that because of that like there's nothing that's like you're not going to hear mike playing you know licks that you would also hear you know uh, um jerry douglas playing on the dobro you know it's just it's just not part of his vocabulary and like you know so i think that you know that makes a difference in how the songs end up sounding. You know,
0: got it. Um, so the the uh, the album came out. Um, it just came out recently. I mean, you had a, a release party maybe about a week ago. Was that its official release?
1: Uh, not even. Yeah, yeah, just a few days ago.
0: Oh man, that's um, crazy. So can you? <laughs> so this is very fresh. It's kind of cool that uh, we're really at the, the forefront of this, and we can get some thoughts out of it. So just just yeah. to wrap this up a little bit, can you tell us about uh, the? The both recording the album, the the process of it, and then how your sister was involved as well. I'm definitely curious about that.
1: Sure, yeah. Um, well, recording the album, um, I mean that, that wasn't necessarily the most interesting story, but you know we we've great studio called Vibramonk Studios, mm. um, which um, I'd done a little work at before. Um, this engineer named Danny Shatsky, who's great. And it's just. Um, a studio in Williamsburg that's kind of built into this loft. So it's got the right, for me, it's got the right mix of great mm-hmm. gear and 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 sort of like an edge. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it wasn't just sort of built out of nowhere. It's got, it's part of an existing space, which I really like. Um, and, uh, you know, and one thing I really wanted to do with this record was have... Some some kind of guest on it, a mm-hmm. special guest, and we, I quickly landed on uh, Eric Friedlander, the cellist, because we've all been huge fan of his. Um, for me, like through my work in like the Tzadik Records world, mm. um, but just in general, I mean, you know he he can silence a room with a solo, yeah, you know, an hour of solo cello music, and it's just <laughs> it's incredible. So we were really um excited to have him on the record um and yeah so we you know we recorded recorded the album there and uh mixed it and that was that was pretty much it yeah um and you asked about my sister Mm -hmm. um so i have three sisters and Mm -hmm. we you know we're all constantly talking about different kinds of collaborations and um my sister actually spent many years on the road with a punk band called The Shondas, wow. uh, playing drums. Yeah, um, and only last couple of years um, left the band and is now in in graduate school hmm. uh, for writing. She's a brilliant um, poet and mm-hmm. writer. So, um, you know, all the songs that I had written kind of had working titles, but nothing really, you know, it was a lot of, like, song number one, song in seven, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Um, And so I was like, hey, it would be really cool if, like, you know, uh, know, to me, my sister would write a piece which would not only act as a piece by itself, but title the song. So to, like, Mm -hmm. listen to the album and kind of, you know, be inspired to to write something based on that so that's what we did and um you know that's how we got the song the uh, album title and um all the all the song names and so we decided to take it a step further and she she read some new work that she was doing at our album release and it was it was really great
2: all right
0: very cool man well to end the podcast we're gonna we're gonna play a track something off of what we found along the way by Sandcatchers. is there anything in particular you'd like us to play
1: Yeah, um, I think that you know this is the one track that was written actually um, before the band got together. I actually wrote this song for my wedding, for my wife to walk down the aisle. Um, And uh, I had sort of put it on the shelf, and Mm -hmm. just you know when when the band started, I was like, hey, that song would kind of sound good with this band. So it's the first track on the album, and it's called Sky Stirs.
0: All right, Yoshi, thanks so much for your time, brother. Really appreciate it. Thanks,
1: Dan. Hope to see you soon.
0: All right.